that wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Occupy COD, Call of Duty eats up our hard drives. Andy goes back to the 80s in Yakuza 0, while Dan goes back to the 90s with Final Fantasy 7. Our weed seeds are growing, we look at Mary Jane's many uses for Keef, and we take a look at some games pegged for release in June. We'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh, so stick around for that, because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy. And with me, as always, the one, the only Dank Dan. Andy, sun's out, and the seeds have sprout. Feels like we're ready to grow. That's a ha ha hot haiku, my dude. That is a haiku. <laughs> haiku. I'm sorry, man. I've been uh, I've been eating up that Japanese culture. What can I say? You've always been known for your globe trotting cultural absorption. That's it. I bought some pocky at the grocery store. I got some Mister Noodles. And I think two weeks ago, I ordered sushi. I mean... Japanese. Basically Japanese. It's like you're from Mount Fuji itself, the heart of. Is Mount Fuji a real place? Yes, Mount Fuji is in fact a real <laughs> mountain range uh, for for Shizi. Ah, what, for shizzle. What did you think the, Hey, Dan, how are you doing, buddy? Hold good, on. Uh, good, to be, uh, good to be chatting. What did you think no, the no, origins of Mount Fuji right were? Past that. Did you think it was just like somebody dreamed up, like, this is going to make a nice name for film? <laughs> I, I, I am ashamed to say maybe. Hey, man, true. Maybe that. Did we not play a board game in our board game days that literally was like a tourist trail that ended in Mount Fuji? Boy, we're getting far off the beaten path we missed here, but it, yes, eh? that was Tokaido. That was Tokaido, and that game was largely about nothing. It was about collecting knickknacks and souvenirs on your way to the aforementioned Mount Fuji. Dan, how are things How are things going, my buddy, before we take this any further into the deep end of the pool? They're great, man. I fired up my PlayStation a couple weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago, yep. and... Uh, Call of Duty is annexing my hard drive. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's an interesting thing, right? It's like the neighbor you let into your house for like, you know, coffee and mm-hmm. he ends up staying for two weeks. You know what I mean, like that's, that's, that's how Call of Duty occurred to me. It was like, oh yeah, have this free thing, Warzone, if you're playing it right now. And uh, no big deal. Just just do the download. By the way, we need to install the full 110 gigabytes for the game that we're hoping you'll buy. Uh, and we're going to do it in the background so you don't know it's installing. That was pretty That was pretty neat. It's like the guest that when you went to go get the cream for his coffee, he's installing a bidet when you come back. You're like, hold on. <laughs> Wait a tick. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, it's, he's in your bed smoking a cigarette with your wife. That's, what, that's what's happening. <laughs> oh, my God. I go to fire <laughs> up Call of Duty, and it's like, yo, real quick, 18 gigs. And I'm like, all right, okay. 18 gig update and then it's like psych 45 gig download 
And and that was weird because I'm talking to my buddies that are also getting because we're getting on to play Warzone and they're like, oh, I got an update. Theirs was 18 and 12. Mine was 18 and 45. It was like, you know what? You need a little extra. I don't like the look of this package down here. We're going to we're going to bring it down. The grand total install right now on my footprint is 190 gigabytes. Yeah, yeah, man. That's that's the uh, that's the grossness of it. That's going to be 18 gigabytes. Okay, 18 gigs. 40 gigabytes, I mean. What, 40 gig? 110, right? <laughs> it's just, it's an arms race. But uh, that being said, I've jumped into Warzone. It's, uh, it's been pretty good. <laughs> good thing I bought that terabyte external hard drive. Andy, I'm the hard drive now. I'm the hard drive now. <laughs> it's, it's installed on your soul. It's just, it's completely infringed on your, uh, on your being. So here's a sin that a lot of developers commit. And Modern Warfare is just shining a light on it. They do not compress their files. They don't encode them well. They don't compress them well. There's this gal on the internet, and I'm not going to blow up her site because I'm not sure the legality of it, but literally her mission in life, it seems to be, is to repack PC releases to be reasonable sizes. So you'll start with like a 50 gigabyte title, like Civ or something like that, whatever Civ's install footprint is, and she does a repack of it with nothing lost, and suddenly the installer is eight gigs. That's a weird hobby. I just got to put it out there. Like, when do you sit down and go, I'm so outraged by large file sizes that this is my mission now? When, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, when do you, how do you, how do you decide to die on that hill? It's when you're a, an even mix of like big hearted and a nerdy programmer. And one day somebody tries to install a 200 gig game on your hard drive and you go, there's no way you need that much space. There's no way. Yeah. Well, this, you heard it here on the Purple Dungeon Squid, folks. Altruism does exist. Uh, speaking of which, this is a podcast about weed and video games. Um, if you hadn't, uh, if you hadn't picked up on that already, Dan, you've been uh, you've been enjoying some weed and playing some video games. I have. It's it's happened. There's been time. Yeah, I gotta say, like COVID and you know quarantine life has really gone through an evolution for me because I went from my previous life of you know very busy, lots of work, no time for video games, to quarantined at home, same story, very busy, lots of work, no time for video games, to just in the past two weeks. Waking up excessively early, I just, I don't know what it is, my my clock keeps getting pushed early and earlier. I'm like becoming, I don't know if that's rapid aging or what's happening here, I'm just waking with the sun now. But all of a sudden, I'm up, the rest of my family is still sleeping, miles of time for video games. So it's, it's kind of like game on, Dan. That's the secret time. That's the secret nobody bothers you time. And uh, I, I feel you, I feel like being uh, like a little bit later in your life is like being very early in your life. When I was a, a very young child, eight or nine, my move was to wake up at six before I had to get on the bus and like watch a little bit of TV, which I shit you not included like a TVO, that's TV Ontario, our provincial uh, program, uh, a calisthenic exercise show, which I would do. <laughs> Which I would do. Oh, no, you didn't. That is the true truth. We're talking early 80s. So uh, let's be real, Dan. Calisthenics, lots of spandex, though, if we're talking about your true motivation as a young nine-year-old Dan. We're talking 89 as I'm not 40 years old. (laughs) Okay, 89, nine-year-old Dan. Still lots of spandex on that early morning exercise program. There was a sweat band. Yep, there it is. Sweat, yep, there you are. Well done. Well, 
Uh, spandex is the yoga pants of the 2000s. Isn't that true? Anyhow, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been great getting back in the saddle because, you know, um, previously my time for gaming really just had ended up being on planes, right? Um, but these days, it's like I'm finding this early morning kind of zen time to get into the video game. And what I find is that actually gives me a little bit more momentum for the evening session, right? Because mm. You know, sometimes you have that evening availability, whether it's 20 minutes, 40 minutes, it's in that gray zone of yep. like definitely not an extended playtime. Yep. But because of the day, you know, the day, whatever the day looks like for you, you just, you don't do it, right? You don't sit down, you don't turn on the controller, you don't get into, you just, you whatever, you scroll through Instagram and you, you know, you, you, you whatever, you do nothing. So uh, somehow that morning that little bit of a morning session gives me the chutzpah to get into it at night. And it's quite nice. It's like it's I'm carrying this momentum. It's still fresh in my mind. I get in there for another 20 to 40 minutes. I've really settled into a groove on this one, Dan. I'm feeling quite good. My gaming time has been optimized. You woke up with the sun. You threw a brisket in the slow cooker. And by dinner, you just need a brazier in the oven. And I'm with you. The thing that keeps me from playing a new game so often, especially if it's like brand new sealed, is I'm like, there's a tutorial waiting for me. It's mm. it's 20 minutes and there's going to be some story. But to know that we're already in motion, if you can resume a save file already in progress, that's the heat. Hell, if you're just paused, if it's just oh, paused, paused and waiting. Mm. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mid combo. You got home and your PS4 is already in lingerie. Okay, well, in this... <laughs> In this uh, metaphor, we're, we're fucking our console, and so you've lost me there. That's a hell of an external uh, drive you have there, mister. Oh, boy. This got weird in a minute. Where was I? Oh, the best part about the evening session, though. Kids are in bed. Mm-hmm. It's evening time. Yep. Perfect time to chuff a bone. Yes, right sir. Brain. Hit the vape. Burn down the joint. And I got to say, I've picked up a couple packs of these already, and they are incredible. So I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Redican up here in Canada? Redican. Redican. No. Yeah. No, I'm not. Redican is a, is a licensed producer, a grower out of, uh, out of Hamilton, Ontario. Steel Town. Ontario. It's our steel town anyway. So Redican, long story short, their family has been in like the tobacco industry for a long time, like the small to mid-sized tobacco player kind of scenario. Yeah. And so they've taken this idea from tobacco. Basically, they've created marijuana cigarettes. Like literally, they look like smokes, but they're filled with weed. Mm -hmm. Um, And they call them Reddies. And they sell them in packs of 10. And they're just little, I, I guess there's probably like 0.3 or maybe 0.38 kind of grams of, uh, of cannabis in there, maybe 0.35. So it's a perfect smoke. It's a nice personal sized joint. Um, the filter is just just a paper filter. So it's not like you're you're not getting that like fiberglass filter of a cigarette. It's just a paper filter. But the shape of it looks like a smoke. And I love it because A, I'm an ex-smoker. I haven't smoked in, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, but let's be real the the feeling is nice like the shape is nice it's got a nice throwback but also perfect for in public because it just looks like a smoke i mean joints are pretty obvious right you got that taper you've got a raw paper you've got you know a a filter that's inside the uh, inside the the wrap here you got something that could totally pass if you're just you know walking by someone as a smoke so i'm really uh, i'm really fond of those they're quite nice they ash really nicely um, that's another element. You can give them that flick without being worried that you're going to knock the cherry off kind of thing. Yeah, Reddy's really, really a fan. On one side, I feel you because it, I'm now stealth smoking. People might think that's cigarette. But on the other side, 
people might think I'm smoking a cigarette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and it's true, man. Like, I'm I'm so staunchly anti-tobacco at this point. You know, it, and, and like, that's an obvious, like, and for, if you're if you're a listener and you smoke cigarettes, no hate, my friends. But, you know, it's... it's we've been there. We've all been there. We've all been there. But let's give up the ghost on that one because it's just, it's on its way out. Um, But, yeah, it turns out weed cigarettes really nice form function the purple dungeon squid uh shaming our listeners oh, since 2018 since 2018 no <laughs> no 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 restraint no restraint at all but yeah so so that's been really nice i also picked up a new device called the luma luma yeah it's it's a closed pod system and i was just curious to try it uh, quite nice really nice draw uh, there's another closed pod system out there that uh, american listeners probably know about called the pax era um you know i was pretty skeptical about both of these devices because like you got to buy the device and then you can only buy pods that fit the device you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, you're already in for hardware and then you're limited. So in my mind, I was like, why? Why go this direction? But I've tried both devices. Quite nice. Quite nice. Actually, quite a bit uh, quite a bit nicer, in fact, than, um, than the 510. It's got that kind of jewel, tactile feel. Size really compact. Um, the draw is really nice on both of those. So if you've uh, if you've not tried a closed pod system in the weed space yet, uh, check it out. Pretty neat. So closed pod means that you can't fill it. Correct. Yeah. You buy okay. the pod, you vape the pod, then the pod is gone. Got you. Now, in terms of purchasing that pod, where could I get it? Like, is it is it something I gotta order online and wait for, or is it carried in inside of dispensaries? What's the deal? Yeah, it's carried in most of the legal retail stores, right? Like, there's a pretty limit. Well, I shouldn't say limited. There's there's maybe a couple dozen listed uh, products in Canada right now for vape. It's a decent time um, to be able to find them. I imagine mm-hmm. stores will specialize a little more in the future, but I- I'm pretty sure all of them will continue to carry the packs because packs is a huge vape brand. Um, and then, yeah, I mean Tokyo Smoke. Uh, they got a lot of uh, a lot of money to throw at you know marketing that product and getting into distribution. So I feel like they'll they'll probably do well on that one as well. Do you like it because it's simple and sort of easy to use? Not a lot of thinking to it. You just plug and go. Is that the idea? Well, I mean, arguably a five ten thread is the same thing. Like if you get a little five ten cart. I know I gave you a, a battery recently, a Juju battery, which is nice little auto draw battery. I don't know what it is. Like just to do a little aside here, I don't know why auto draw is so appealing to me. But like I have. I have many batteries, and one of the ones I do have is called the Vessel. And I got the Vessel, I got multiple of the Vessel at a trade show, so I didn't pay for them. But they're like $120 US for a vape battery. They're not inexpensive, but I got to press a button. It's a little sexy little stealth button on the side of the, the thing. Don't get me wrong, like it's not obtuse or anything. But I got to press a button to fire the cart. And for some reason, that little bit just takes away from my experience. So like the Juju battery that I gave you recently, you put your 510 on cart on there. So anything with the 510 thread, which is pretty much every cart you're ever going to buy, you put it on there and you just pull. You just put your lips on it. You just pull it. Suddenly you have vapor in your mouth. It's amazing. And it lights up on the bottom, this satisfied little glow. Really cool. There is something kind of neat about that. I have a Caliburn that I've sort of put through the paces. I've recently broken the button Mm. and it has auto draw, but I'm often finding myself hitting the button. But with that button now disabled, it's in that new stealth pole, no buttons territory. And I do kind of dig it. What is that about? Listen, you know, I could go back to cigarette roots. Uh, The Juju specifically is about like two inches long, right? So you've got a vape that kind of has the same 
dimensions, maybe a little longer than like a king king size cigarette, and it kind of feels the same dimensions in your fingers, and you just put it to your lips and pull. I don't know. It just it just feels so easy and effortless. What can I say? It's like the difference between having to futz around with maneuvering through a you know an Android phone versus the easy swipes of an iPhone. Shots fired at Shots cigarette fired. smokers and Android users. <laughs> We're gonna have nobody left. Can we shame? Who else can we shame this episode? But in, in terms of the pod systems, I don't know. Like I, I just. What can I say? It's like with PAX, for example, right? PAX, you've got this sexy little device which carries the PAX brand and name. So it's, let's call it, I hate to say it, it's so cliche, but it's the Apple equivalent of, you know, the cannabis industry, right? So you've got this little, this slender little PAX, aka Jewel device. And the pods that are coming out are made specifically for this device. They're made by mass, you know, LPs like Seven Acres is releasing some recent, or soon, uh, Riff by Afria, you know, those, those pods have come out. You know, Aurora is going to be putting some out. I think Organogram just launched some. So there, there's, there's a lot of big guys who are putting their weight behind the PAX device. So that's cool it's like its own little ecosystem you can mix and match these pods throughout and then luma is like this kind of in-house uh, brand from tokyo smoke where they've just actually done a really nice job on the formulations and the uh and the actual product so yeah i mean i wouldn't recommend a, a normal person go out and buy both <laughs> you know you don't need both but um but it's cool having this closed pod system and, and both of them are really ergonomic so they feel really nice cool man uh, maybe i'll get my hands on one yeah i would i would recommend you try that jewel that that juju battery first man that thing is that's my favorite like straight up because you can just mix and match match carts from across the spectrum like i got a what do i have here i have a tweed houndstooth card i got a couple carts from um I got a couple carts from uh, Top Leaf. Got a Jaeger OG and a Strawberry Cream. Like some really just nice carts, and you can just mix and match them on the battery. It's great. Neat. Yeah, you gave me that, and you're like, "Hey, man, I got you a battery." I'm like, "Cool. <laughs> what is this?" You're like, it's a battery. I'm like, "Uh huh. I got that part. What What does that do?" You're like, "It's a really good battery." I'm like, "Okay, we need to slow down, and you need to tell me what I do with this." Seems self evident. Like, like the- forty six episode. What is this episode? 45? 46? 45. 45. 45 episodes yeah. into having a weed podcast, I assumed you knew that battery meant five ten threaded battery for use with vape carts. But um, you know, we're still learning things about each other, Dan. Even after these many many long years, I keep it real. What can I say? What yeah. can I say? It was funny because you, you did think I was putting you on because you just kept repeating battery. I'm like. We need to we need to slow down and understand each other. So now I get it's fifty percent of uh, of a weed vaping operation, and you've done me a real solid. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I felt like I had done you a real slight because you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you you gave me the uh, you gave me the like the batteries for a remote control car, but there's no remote control car, just the battery. No, Here's some triple no A's, RC. bro. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you're like, I'm like, thanks very much. I'm like, here you go. You're like, what's this? I'm like, that's a capacitor, my dog. <laughs> 200 milliamps. <laughs> Choice. Oh, clip those onto your nipples and away you go, Dan. Away you go. Into space. Vibrating all the way to Titty Town. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Lord Almighty. Yeah, COD, Modern Warfare, um, despite the fact that it's taking up uh, more, more space on my hard drive than, what, 300 computers that I had in the early 2000s? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I measure things as well. <laughs> It's just absurd. It's it's like horsepower. It's an old uh, measure that probably isn't good, but we still use it. So we'll say it's about 400 presarios. <laughs> How archaic of you, Dan. How archaic. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Uh, so, like, what's your read on on Warzone? Because I've just gotten into it. 
Um, my experience with it so far is quite nice. You know, I, I, I definitely am enjoying it a lot more than Fortnite. And truthfully, you know, Fortnite and um, PUBG are the only two that I've tried. Uh, and PUBG just felt kind of janky and glitchy. And Fortnite just couldn't get... The graphics just keep throwing me off, right? I just I feel like I'm in a fun land of prepubescence. So Warzone. Well, don't you don't you know Fortnite is the game of ba- for babies, and PUBG is the adult game for cool guys that are both made f- by the same company, <laughs> trying to divide the population. Well, they're not made by the same punk. It's one of them. Yeah, likes- they are. No, what blue uh, Blue Hole makes PUBG. And they're what, both owned by they're both owned by the not, same parent company. One of the the uh, company that makes Fortnite. Why can't I remember their name? To the Googles, Fortnite. To the Googles. They license they license their engine to Blue Hole by the same company. Uh-huh. Okay, let's see. Let's wait. Let's wait for it. Both Epic Games and PUBG Corp are partly owned by the Chinese firm Tencent. Oh, Tencent. Kaboom. Tencent has an interest in both firms, my dude. Kaboom. That does, that does Andy, not did you to hear me same. say? Tencent owns Andy, pretty much did you everything, hear me pal. say? Did you, did you shave kaboom. your chest? Did you shave your chest this morning? Tencent probably owns that razor. <laughs> kaboom! Kaboom! Yeah. yeah, smoking gun. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. In other news, yeah, I mean, like about a year and a half ago, there was the the controversy around the fact that Epic, who was licensing their engine to Blue Hole, was then pivoting Fortnite, which was originally like a zombie survival game into a battle royale game and that was obviously hot news at the time because it's like oh well for PUBG was this big success and now this company licensing them a platform is is like encroaching on their space never mind that everybody else and their mother did it also right it's like walking into a room of people that have all copyrighted your or infringed your copyright. You point at the one guy like you. He's like me. He's like yep. Lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. PUBG. PUBG sued Epic Games right back in 2018 for uh, battle royale of infringement essentially. Yeah. And like everybody else in the room, like Warzone and uh, all the other all the other PUBGs out there, uh, lookalikes are like looking away. Like, don't look at us. Please don't name me as a co-defendant. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, at the time, I think there weren't that many like Paladins. No, but Paladins is a is a character shooter, so I'm wrong on that one. What are the other battle royales games that came out at that time? Just escaping. We forgot my mind. them because a lot of them fell off into the trash. Mm, you know what I mean? As a mm. clear winner emerged. So yeah, well, back to Warzone. Warzone. Sorry, go ahead. You, you, you. No, I was just gonna say like my my beginner's experience with Warzone is like okay, okay, like thousand things to unlock through money, skins that need money operator you know uh which is your your character um you know outfits and stuff that need money you know all all of that is there and apparent and obvious which i kind of appreciate they didn't even it's not like they like got you into some matches and started rolling out the carpet of microtransactions it's like oh yeah here we go (laughs) you know what i mean it's right there uh and that's okay like that's that's how they're making their cash on this one so that's fine but um the actual gameplay feels really um feels really snappy, I guess is the word. If I were to describe Destiny, I would call Destiny's gun combat in the vein of Halo as like fluid and smooth and and tactile. Those would be the flowery adjectives I'd attribute to that kind of shooter. This one's snappy. You know what I mean? It's just like you snap around, you take some shots. I got yeah. you on that. I got you on the monetization. It does. It's very gentle. I paid for the first battle pass, which I think was like nine bucks or something. That was okay. pretty gentle. I played 
played the game and I'm like, okay, this is this is worth putting a couple bucks into because Warzone was free. I bought Call of Duty, but Warzone came on as an add-on. So I tossed in my cash. And as you proceed through the battle pass, um, you pick up some in-game currency, which if you complete 70% of it, I believe you have enough to buy the next battle pass. Oh, okay. So, so that felt like a nice nod to the people playing their games. Um, and you unlock skins and stuff through that battle pass. If, if you're playing free, you get like every fifth one. Um, but if you have the battle pass, you're picking up everyone in the middle. So I, I was pretty happy with that. When it comes down to the very cool skins, the fact that they want like 14 bucks or something for like a skin for an operator and a gun. I'm like, listen, I know some graphic artists did a great job on this and it looks rad, but I feel like I'm getting gouged for this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I don't love the delineation between here's our free skins, here's our battle pass skins, and here's our pay skins. I think if you're really honest and open and a good guy developer, you make a random chance to get any skin. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good debate. Like, I, I actually, I don't mind the idea that there's some skins, like as long as you provide enough variety on the other end of the spectrum, if there's some skins you're selling because they're a spec, like that's the thing that I want you to sell. Don't don't sell the rifle that shoots like 1.15 times faster than the one you can get in the you know free version or whatever. Like sell the sell the fancy rifle that has all the fun pixels on it, and that's fine. Like to me, I'm okay with that as long as it's not egregiously priced and like reasonably affordable. I'll toss some toss some cash on that for sure. Sure. The way it works for me is if it's only a paywall skin. Like you have to pay to get it. I feel like if I buy it, other people are like, "Look at that try hard buying skins." Yeah. <laughs> and it and once I bu- once I do buy it, I'm wonder I'm worried about that. But maybe once I get into it, it's like that fancy car when you see somebody other else driving it, they must be a douchebag. But when you drive it, you feel like king of town. Like maybe it's like that. But it does keep me from even if a skin is awesome, it kind of keeps me from purchasing How about it. Because then you're that guy that buys skins. Social economics. That's right. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game itself is uh, is fun. You know, I like the fact that you can get in and um, go solo, or you can do kind of some of the group play stuff, some of the in-game stuff, like the um, equipment drops and the perks that you can activate for turrets or radar and stuff. Like it's all just it's Call of Duty bog standard stuff, but it's fun. It really creates an interesting dynamic. And, you know, I, I, um, I, I feel like this is probably the one I'll hang my hat on for a while. Um, I know that you were really digging Apex, which isn't, again, it's a character shooter in the vein of Overwatch. It's not a not a, a battle royale thing. But from like an online shooter match play scenario, I feel like Warzone's a nice home. War, Warzone does a good job at a lot of things. I I love the gulag, um, the fact that Gulag's when you die, cool. you got, a, you got a, a one-on-one gunfight chance to come back into the game, which can feel good really good after getting a bad beat or getting somebody getting the drop on you that you're not just done you can skill your way out yes what i also like is they're continuing to balance the game to keep it playable it'll kind of come out of balance and somebody finds like a strategy very recently it's the akimbo uh colts the magnums i forget exactly what they're called but you know the fire rate on those somebody rolls up on you with these colt in each hand and just blows you away so they've like sort of slowed the reload and a little bit less damage so they're playing with that stuff uh, do you know what the 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 rumored next iteration of warzone is no a mode called cold war okay so some <clears throat> handy dandy di- data miners were able to view some of the data on the drive actually through a, a neat little hack 
using a drone to kind of fly around on the underside or overside it of it because it's a sealed off area and it looks like kind of a soviet era bunker cold war style match and there's like some little 80s style nukes in there so that we're thinking that that's the the next little situation to drop maybe like a counter-strike hybrid like bomb slash diffusal bomb diffusal slash uh slash battle royale scenario that's interesting yeah that's neat i'd be down for that yeah yeah i mean yeah man you know battle royale just like roguelikes and other popular uh, popular game modes, um, you know, will will continue to evolve, and I'm happy to see it. It's fun, fun times. But yeah, Warzone, Warzone for me has hit the mark. You know what's really blowing my mind, Dan? Blowing my mind, Dan is uh, is psilocybin <laughs> mushrooms, which are just freaking everywhere. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, you know, especially in Canada, it's very apparent, but also in the U.S. states that um, have legalized cannabis and and folks who have, not all of them, of course, but many who kind of jumped on the green rush air quotes, uh, you know, two, three years ago for cannabis or within the recent past. And it's no secret the cannabis industry has taken a spanking over the last 12 months. And so, you know, I'm seeing a lot of folks jumping onto the psilocybin train. Like there's companies popping up all over the place. One of them just went public. It's called Trip. Uh, well, the ticker is Trip. Can't remember the, the name of the company, but um, it's neat because High Times actually did a, did an article recently about the percent of the, of the U.S. that is interested or accepting of psilocybin mushrooms uh, being legalized. And it shows that, and I'm quoting from the High Times article, 38% of adults in the country believe they should be legal under at least some circumstances. 25 believe under limited circumstances, be it medical or religious. While 13% think they should be legalized outright, which is wow. just fast. That's a large number of people. And it's it's interesting to, to think, like, I imagine that cannabis has opened the door for this kind of conversation. Um, it seems pretty clear. It turns out the conservatives are right. It is a slippery slope. It's what they always <laughs> feared. Like, this time next year. So they're thinking about legalizing meth. <laughs> you terrible. All these yeah. meth companies are... Now, hopefully, we never... God forbid we ever get there, but... Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just terrifying. They already have it. It's called Red Bull. Oh, and it yeah. gives you wings. Gives you wings. And baby. meth face. And meth. Yeah, let's never say meth again. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. So I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinion because I know that you uh, in the past have been an advocate for psilocybin for folks who are experiencing, um, you know, PTSD or, or uh, other kind of psychological conditions. Psilocybin can be uh, can be really positive uh, or at least re- or is reported to be very positive. Um but yeah, I'm just interested. What do you think about that? I mean, there's a lot of neuroscience coming out around the ability uh, for psilocybin uh, via magic mushrooms to um, dissolve a lot of the ego state that causes the anxiety that we we may feel day to day. And it, it seems through a lot of clinical research that it, it can be a little bit of a reset button. And what's great is organizations like MAPS, multidisciplinary, I don't have the rest, I apologize, are doing some amazing research into how it can affect people for with PTSD and serious anxiety and mood disorders, which is fantastic because we've been pretty bad at dealing with that. Um, I think, you know, especially, you know, pharmaceutically, sometimes great, sometimes it's a miss, but it's cool to have another a tr- tool in that belt. And yeah, I, I believe that it is and can be medicine for the soul as well. I feel like it very, you know, experientially confronting and can help you move through some things. I caution it from people that maybe are hiding from their thoughts. 
because mm. their thoughts are going to go like perhaps like hey check this out my my experience has always been it's kind of given me what i've needed in that moment you know but results may vary and i the only thing i that concerns me is it, it needs it needs to be kind of taken seriously you know what i mean like not taken lightly because the more consumer available it is somebody might think oh i'll just have some mushrooms and i they there should be some kind of warning on the label there should be yeah. a a QR code that teleports a, f- a supportive friend to your side. Well, this is it, man. It's like, you know, the door opens because weed is a thing. And, and you know, when you look at the objective effects of weed and the kind of the kind of physical effects that cannabis can have on you, you know, you can you can be just about any at least in my opinion, this is not a medical opinion by any stretch of the imagination but you know you can be just about anyone and be well in control of your faculties despite the fact that you've consumed cannabis arguably or perhaps even in a proven fashion uh, I think we can probably all agree more so than alcohol and both have been or that has been readily available for quite some time and then of course cannabis is now you know normalizing across our country in the United States. Psilocybin is not that experience you know i don't think recreational is necessarily you know the first bus stop for for magic mushrooms i highly doubt it um but even if we start moving in that direction i know even if you look at amsterdam for example and amsterdam is the cannabis scene for the last 30 years or whatever and has also got a pretty strong magic mushrooms community or distribution like you can buy it at just about any corner store, right, in, in Amsterdam. Um, and they've had some deaths, man. Like, you know, some pretty... Really? Yeah, like... When you say deaths, not from toxicity, No, ju- but like from... someone jumped out of a window headfirst into the pavement below, right? Like, that kind of stuff. And listen, I'm no expert on psilocybin. I don't know what was going on for that person. Like, you know, God bless. That's a horrible story. I, you know, no interest in dissecting that, obviously, right? Um, but Bill Hicks has a great line about this. He goes, listen, people always talk about the guy who's on acid that jumped out of a window because he thought he could fly. First of all, that guy's an asshole because if you think you can fly, you start from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, listen, like, and... and you know, they've had a thriving mushrooms community for 30 years, and that's not an everyday story, right? So no. like, what, what do I know about that? You know what I mean? Like, my experience with that is limited, and I just, all I'm saying is, is that it's very clear that as a hallucinogen, if something were to go sideways, at the very best, you've got a very negative, terrifying experience. On the other end of the spectrum, you have potential bodily harm, whether it's due to negligence or some sort of uh, suicidal breakdown, right? So I just... Again, I don't, I'm not trying to sit here and make a, a judgment about psilocybin or, or, or the medical side of this. I don't know. I have no clue. You know, my mind could be changed like that. Um, but it just, it's interesting. It's interesting to see which direction this is going and how many people are jumping on this bandwagon and how much it's gaining steam. You know, whether you're going to Colorado or you're going on a hallucinogenic journey, plan your trip. Sure. Be prepared. Get some nature. Have a friend there. There are risks like there is in anything. And I mean, like anything. I think if I can put it down to a very fine point, a lot of us are really addicted to control. And I am taking yep. take taking psilocybin is saying, I'm going to give up some of my control and embrace that. And something beautiful can come from that. There's this Netflix show, movie, called Have a Good Trip. And it is 
celebrities and comedians, actors talking about hallucinogenic experiences. And you hear the whole mix because um, they say there's two kinds of trippers, those that will have that have had a bad trip and those that will. It, it's kind of like a, a matter of time. But sometimes they can be useful as well. But anyway, Sting's on it talking about his experiences. And uh, Sting in his very Sting way is talking about walking through his vineyard garden, eating some peyote that someone had given him. (laughs) And then one of the fellows that works on his farm is like, hey, uh, Sting, are you busy? And he's like, yeah, I am kind of busy right now. (laughs) And he's like, no, I need your help right now. He's like, well, I I don't really have time for this. Just having eaten a bunch of peyote, he's like, uh, a cow is giving birth, and if we don't take care of it right now, they'll both die. So oh Sting my God. <laughs> swings into action and gets arm deep inside of this heifer while the other guy's pulling and they're they're battling uh, the birthing of this cow for like 40 minutes to 50 minutes. And he says it's you know, one of the most incredible, awe-inspiring, connecting experiences that he's ever had and sort of changed his mindset to understand the connectivity in the world and and actually how in trouble the world is and how it's up to us to fix it. And that's the kind of revelation that you may or may not get from that experience. Uh, And I recommend definitely check out Have a Good Trip on Netflix. The Carrie Fisher bits alone are worth the price of admission. Yeah, man. I mean, it makes good sense, you know, and and, um, yeah, I totally I totally get that. And I think that those experiences are maybe not even just obviously permissible, but like highly valuable to society as a whole right so like that's the that's the great part about let's call it psilocybin you know and and magic mushrooms that's the great part where you've got either a perspective shifting experience or some sort of healing experience that you know uh, can address trauma uh, mental or physical in some way Um, I have no idea you know what the, the lengths of from the perspective of, of that is, but maybe, maybe substantial research required. It's just like, okay, well, how do you manage the low end of that spectrum? Which is, you know, if you've got wide distribution of psilocybin, you know, you're, you're also taking accountability for the general public having access to something that needs a strong level of education. Because when cannabis came out as legal, you know, the entire industry was talking about education. It was about how do we educate people so they can consume cannabis safely and responsible the government started out with you know um uh start low go slow was their campaign you know to just great people great into advice it. yeah all of that is good things on the other side of the coin a lot of people had been smoking weed for a long damn time and start low go slow is good by the same token though you could say the same thing for alcohol right like they're just kind of in the same area of impairment, uh, especially in the entry levels, right? But like, start low, go slow doesn't really work with magic mushrooms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, sure it does. Sure, you oh, can of course microdose, it does. you're right, you're right. There's well, not even that. Yeah, let, me, yeah. let me lay it out sure, here. And actually, sure. Dippity Do, the hair gel, had a very similar uh, campaign, just to dip will do you, uh, avoiding a lot of hair gel. Sweet God. Excessiveness accidents. But uh, what'd you say? Sweet God. Oh, I thought you said Sig Hale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. like, that, that was a little bit wild um so yeah i mean generally with mushrooms a gram for fun if you're trying to keep it free and breezy a gram two starts to get serious and two is where i would say it's like somebody flicked the lights on and you start getting what i would describe as information from the universe that typically your brain does you a favor and filters right out of there gets it right out of there 
and three, four, and five is when you're uh, up to five. Five is the Olympic dose, and there better be a shaman, and dear Lord, it better not be your first time. Um, but, you know, that's when you're really dropping your ego and going to get connected to a lot of extra information yeah. and then set and setting and support becomes very, very important. But that's like, those are the hash marks in my mind. And that's why I, I'm an advocate for measured doses. I have seen people grab like a handful of mushrooms and put them in a in their mouth. It's like they just spun the chamber on a 48 with one one round. And I'm like, whoa, man. <laughs> You you were pretty cavalier about that operation right there. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, man. I mean, you know, I don't I don't mean to sound like the nanny state because like it's true, right? Like people make their own decisions. You can you can go out and do some serious harm to yourself with a lot of things, right? So it's not you know it's not in me to sit here and say, oh, general public psilocybin, no, never. But by the same token, I just you know I'm just trying to wrap my head around like, and this would be the job for the regulator, right? This would be the job for figuring oh, out yeah, how this works. The regulators are all doing the greatest job oh i mean listen you know someone has to and it's someone has, someone that yeah. someone has to be in government uh, that's just how the country works so you know whoever is doing this you know has to uh, psilocybin has been surviving without the government pretty well inside the circles for a while but i agree with you when it goes wide distribution and like listen anything that is powerful you should respect totally do you know what i mean whether it's a tiger or an elephant gun or mushrooms yeah, man. Well, and, and that's and like just to go back to your comment about like the air quotes regulator. You look at Canada, right? right? And Canada yeah. said, okay, there's a cap on how many milligrams of THC we can have in edibles. There's a cap on how many milligrams of THC you can have in any one like dose of a concentrator vape cart. Because they understood yeah. that, and we ha don't really have too many like dabbables out. There's not a lot of shatters or waxes, but they're coming out now. You know, they they understood that edibles can. Weed culture is very open about the fact that too many edibles can genuinely give you a bad time, right? And the same yeah. thing can be said of, of a dab. If you haven't dabbed before and you do a scorching hot one gram dab, you're going to be in a weird place. You know yeah. I mean? You're going to be in a strange place. Those things can, I can conveniently kind of sweep under the rug and say, well, that's different than, than magic mushrooms. But maybe it isn't so much in terms of how much it can actually debilitate you. You know, the experience is different, but the debilitation is maybe at the same level, right? So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's the kind of thing where, you know, you look at edibles right now and the max is 10 milligrams on those guys. I'll be honest. 10 milligrams can move the needle for me. I tend to be a microdoser in general. I tend to smoke s small amounts at a time. Like we mentioned, the aforementioned 0.3 gram joint kind of thing. That's my that's my happy spot, right? But for a lot of people, 10 milligrams doesn't get you anywhere. You know, you got to get you got to get 30, 50, 100 milligrams in there before you're you know you're getting your money's worth. And unfortunately, your money's worth at this point is is pretty hefty price tag if you need 100 milligrams of THC. I think that. Maybe contrary to popular opinion, I think that that was a pretty decent place to start. Pretty decent place to start to just make sure that someone coming in off the street and eating a chocolate is not going to have a really shitty day, especially with no context for the experience. Yeah, man. Because if you're an, if you're an experience, but like you, they can't you can't get your card carrying. Yes, I can buy a. 100 milligram THC cupcake card like that's not a thing <laughs> you know what I mean so you kind of have to say okay well yes we have space cadets that can roll in here and DOS 300 milligrams of, of edibles and like just have a Sunday. you know if we gave one of those to Johnny who's smoked weed one time three years ago and wants to try a weed cupcake uh, he's gonna have a shitty day yeah so that's all I'm talking about you know 
again, making wide sweeping commentary about public health and what, you know, magic mushrooms could mean and the one guy in Amsterdam who jumped out of a window. That's not for me to say, but boy, if this becomes like a, a recreational substance, there's definitely going to be some conversation around how you manage this from a public health perspective because you're not smoking it which can be a deterrent with weed, right? You're not going to smoke seven grams of weed if you're a newbie. It's just not going to happen. Somewhere in the intervening time, something is going to dawn on you that you're making a mistake. And I think with (laughs) mushrooms as well, as well as cannabis and even alcohol, you're either a good example or cautionary tale. (laughs) And you kind of pick. And some people are going to jump in the deep end of the pool, regardless of what it is, or the shark fins they see at the surface. But for all these things, you're either going to respect them or they're going to teach you to respect them through discipline. Yeah, no doubt. There's plenty of businesses out there that are getting involved in, in psilocybin and, and you know, are, are doing so for legitimate purposes, whether it be, you know, believing in, in this kind of budding industry or, or you know, a, a legitimate mission statement behind, you know, bringing this kind of product to market. Uh, there's going to be an equal number of opportunists who are like running from their last cannabis venture that they may or may not have exited successfully into the next into the next thing right so uh that is another element that worries me a little bit because it's like you got a bunch of opportunists slinging uh especially in that kind of weird gray market phase before things get ironed out at the government level you got a bunch of opportunists semi-legally slinging magic mushrooms across the country that could be a weird time you know (laughs) Absolutely. Like with mushrooms and and, and weed is similar, but with mushrooms, I think you're venturing into a little bit of a shamanic territory. It's, it is potent. And I think from my standpoint, it it is kind of medicine as as fun as it is. I don't want to see it like Coca-Cola mushroom. Like I don't want to see it too deep into a pure capitalist space. It, it, it really needs to have some care and respect around it. So, you know, when I, when you, when you talk about mushrooms in convenience stores in Amsterdam like that blows my mind <laughs> if you could uh roll in to Hall Quebec into the Depaneur and get like a pack of mushrooms that's concerning <laughs> like are they beside the Twinkies like where, where even do they go yeah man they're just like in a refrigerator it's weird yeah I mean you know and, and just to go back to that kind of gray market phase like again if you remember kind of 2015 to 2018 Canada you know, you've got a lot of people speculating on regulation, speculating on legalization, starting companies, trying to build brands, like just rushing to be a thing in, in cannabis, right? And at the same time, you've got the government and the, you know, regional and uh, and pr- province level police deciding, okay, well, we're going to kind of pull this back a little bit because we're not going to start, you know, handing out massive fines or prosecutions around cannabis because it's on the cusp of legalization. Dispensaries were opening up all over the place. People are pushing the limits. Like that's, it's becoming more of like a civil issue than a criminal thing. Like that's, that's where that was. Now imagine that's mushrooms. (laughs) People are like, mushroom shops are popping up all over the place like you'd get mushroom edibles from some questionable baker in Guelph who's like doing commercial baking out of their basement shout out Guelph shout out Guelph yeah it's just like it's just like you can't imagine it right you just and yet I can't imagine it because I've been in Amsterdam and despite the 
previous story, there's probably a lot of people that I bumped into there that were on mushrooms and, you know, generally the feeling was okay. I guess I'm quite conflicted on this, right? Because at my at my core, I don't I'm not sure if it's a personal belief or like a deep rooted just say no to drugs, which is hilariously ironic at this point to go there. But it's like, fuck, just seems crazy to have a, a world running around on mushrooms before before their time. So anyway, Andy, it sounds like you might need some mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I might need some mushrooms to straighten this whole thing out in my brain. Uh, I think it's going to be a slow climb, and that's what I hope. I hope it's not saturation everywhere. I hope it's selectively available, and those that are interested can seek it out and get the right guidance around it. Sure. And I hope it goes that way. And I think if you ask the average person, they're probably a little bit more cautious about a mushroom experience than they are weed experience. Although there's all the way into the uninitiated where there's just drugs and they're they're all the devil. But I think as you step yeah. into some levels of experience that, that folks generally, I think, maybe respect a little more and they probably should. And hopefully they get that good guidance. Anyone anyone who's handing handing you a, a hallucinogen should be giving you some, some instructions along with it. In that spirit, I'm going to give you some Dank Dan instruction. There's a blanket statement that will help you in just about any state remember that it's temporary yeah somewhere in a bad experience the thought will dawn on you oh i'm gonna be like this forever and my friend i promise you you will emerge the other side (laughs) and that that has saved many a bacon and, and i hope it saves yours yeah. Uh, you know what's funny? It's just as I was sitting here, I, I glanced at another article I had on deck, which is uh, <laughs> that West Nipissing, which you may know as a community near um, near Sudbury, uh, is trying to ban the smell of weed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just reading it's like, so, you know, and I get it, right? Like, there, there's something, boy, we're going to have another another kind of Pitch it. J- judgmental debate here. But here it comes. You got you got a world where people are free to, you know, burn tobacco any way they like. And I would argue that tobacco uh, smoke, at least to me, is just as offensive from a like an odor level as cannabis, right? If you were offended by yeah. either smell, they're probably at about the same level. Sure. And, you know, smoking is getting more and more restricted, but it's still pretty prevalent. You walk out of a mall, you walk out of a store, you're walking down the street in Toronto, you're going to smell some cigarette smoke. It's all over the place, right? Um, and yet, cannabis is something that has a, a lot more stigma around the smell. If, you, if you're smelling weed out in a public space, someone's pissed about that. Someone's breaking the law yeah. is the first thought I have. Today, Andy, today, I know, I know. the first thought I have is somebody's breaking the law. I know. And, and that's, I think that's a little bit of trauma because yeah. somebody somebody handed me a pre-roll today just like as a as a as a bud to a bud, as he handed it to me, my subconscious goes, "You're breaking the law," <laughs> and I'm not. I know but you just grab that bud, you like reflexively slip it into your coat. <laughs> I toss in the old prison wallet with a speed unto heretofore heard of. Oh my! Is that God. language? It is. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to talk about your prison wallet, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, well, that's not what you said last night. Ooh. Boom. Horrible. But yeah, I mean, so, you know, the, the so here's what the, the senator from, uh, not senator, <laughs> not senator, <laughs> counselor. Let's go counselor. Here's the counselor from, uh, from uh, West Nipissing had to say about it. Um, I was called at 930 at night to get out and smell it, and I didn't have to, counselor Lee Senegal said during a teleconference. I just opened the window, and I think I got a buzz. How cheesy is that? <laughs> 
<laughs> what like, a loser. Oh, no, come on now. She's a counselor. Nope. Have some respect. Counselors, equal opportunity counselors. Counselors can be losers. I'm a firm believer that everyone has their rights. I mean, I have the right to drink beer, but I don't have the right to throw the can of beer at the neighbor or make a party at all times of day or night. False equivalency. Good start. <laughs> Doesn't have much to do with smelling weed. So then there was a um, another counselor that said he also found the smell of cannabis offensive, but he, he had to add as well that it's a little bit dangerous to regulate smells. There's no scale. Uh-huh. If cannabis can't smell, doesn't that mean we have to shut down the sewage plant? <laughs> the council then voted eight to one to examine the legality of implementing an odor-related bylaw. I don't know, man. This is uh, this is a pretty weird, uh, pretty weird statement here. There's a lot of law enforcement that likes likes the smell angle because they've been using it for a long time. They they go, hey, you smell like blank. Hmm. How do I argue a smell? <laughs> because <laughs> Boy, that's tough. You know, that can lead to all kinds of searches and seizures with questionable legality. Andy, here's here's my position on smells. Smell how you like, and I will react accordingly. Right. It is a public courtesy element. Here's the thing. I can tell you, as someone who's lived in the place, that you should have the most rights around sound, which is a condo in downtown Toronto. A, a nice condo, not that it shouldn't be applicable to all condos, but like I don't want to infer that this was some you know student den that was unable to get assistance from either the police or a super. This was this was a nice condo that was being paid for, right? I had a DJ on my left, I had a music producer on my right. I've heard this song. We only realized this. Yeah, oh yeah, we only realized this when we after we had moved in. It's literally the first night we've just moved into this apartment. I got tss, 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 happening on the right side at 11 p.m. and I got. A different beat happening on the left hand side and like you're like oh i'm gonna go crazy and, and probably die here fast forward like three months four months of battling it out and you know you start polite right you knock on the door you know hey just wouldn't would you mind leap turning it down a little blah 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 that doesn't happen like that continues to go on you can only do that so many times before you escalate and you try and get some help and suddenly you haven't slept and like you're fighting with your spouse because no one can sleep or rest or be at peace and it gets to the point where you're damn it i'm calling the police on this shit and that doesn't work <laughs> just so so everybody knows that doesn't really work um they don't show up or they show up later and the you know it's one in the morning or two in the morning and the sounds off or whatever the scenario so regulating smell i think you could put a law in place but it would be pretty damn hard to police <laughs> you know? like imagine that i'm smelling some weed from my neighbor's yard you call the police they arrive four hours later. Everyone's in bed because <laughs> all they did was smoke a bong and eat some cookies. Seems like a big waste of public time. Courtesy is a thing, right? And if if you're doing a 24-7 smoke operation, you might be over the line for sure. This law feels like a law for people that are bored and a little bit angry. They don't have a lot going on in their life. I don't like that smell. <laughs> like that's the thing that's getting their attention. You need a hobby, but wheel it back to s- smell how you like and I will react accordingly. I mean that across the board, Andy. Give me give me a challenging smell situation. I'll tell you how I'll react. Go ahead, hit me. Okay, that's interesting. You're at the grocery store. Yes. Man in front of you smells like sneakers and trash. Great. I'm going to take a full step back and just, just deal with it. Get, hit me with another. There you go. Okay. You're in a vehicle. Someone lights a cigarette. You can't smoke in here. <laughs> hit me with another. <laughs> I don't know. This is... Okay, one more. One more. 
It's your child's bar mitzvah. Someone's hitting a bong in the corner. I'm going to ask him if you'd like to step out back and we can finish this conversation a little bit high. <laughs> uh, what I like is like, you know, this gentleman smells like cupcakes. Sir, where are the confectionaries that you have? There's a lot of moves to be made. So let people smell how they like react accordingly. That's actually what smell is for. To tell you what somebody's up to, to make a decision on your involvement or uninvolvement in the situation. You feel me? <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Uh, okay. Well, I, I know we've uh, we've talked about smell and mushrooms for quite some time. So uh, smells like the next segment. Smells like the next segment, indeed. Ooh, Dan, 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 Dan. Do you know that our seeds have sprouted, my good man? Of course I do. I've been getting the text messages. I feel like a proud plant father. Seed Papa. That's it, buddy. Seed we Papa. got uh, for those of you that don't know, we got our seed operation happening here. Just growing a couple legal seeds here in uh at the Purple Dungeon Squid. It's uh year one of growing weed and uh legally procured at that. So pretty excited. Yeah. And this is it was it's a really curious sensation, you know. I've planted these little uh, little fellas in these um pods. They're like little uh, little dirt pods, and they're they're kind of magical, Dan. You you add some water to them, and they they puff up. They puff up to the size of about a marshmallow. And you bury That's your cool. seed. Yeah, they, they they retain a ton of water. There's like peat, kind of a mossy earth in there, like a peat. Yeah, like a peat moss, like a Scotch peat moss, something like that. Uh, and you bury your seed in there, and then you just go away for a while. You know, a day or two later, they start popping up out of the soil, and it's just it's quite amazing. I buried my seed once in Cape moss. I hope you delete that from the podcast. <laughs> of course, I, of course I will. But that was pretty dope, Andy. I have an admission to make. Yes, among your le- your very legal seeds, I slipped in a desperado. You didn't. I did. Oh, now we There's have a to now deeply we have to illegal kill all the children. Black market seed in there. You just slipped one in. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't just know until it grow until it until they all start growing and they reach the teenage years and one of them's in prison. There's a gang influence. There's a gang influence. It's got- it, it just it's just throwing up gang signs and like, what's that bandana? <laughs> why is why does why is my plant tattooed? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a it's a, it's a proud moment. Proud moment. So, like, I the other day I woke up, and uh, again, let, let's all be real here. Total newbie to growing weed. I don't know what I'm going to do once these grow up a little more. i got to transplant them into something. I've got uh, Jose Cervantes's uh, book here, Marijuana Horticulture uh, Medical Marijuana Bible. Nice. Ed Rosenthal, I got him on deck. Got a nice book from him as well. High Times, I got a stack about a mile high on all the growing advice you could want from Danny Danko. Sorry, Dank Dan. <laughs> that is the editor oh, of High Times. <laughs> Oh no! uh, I've chosen my name poorly. Yeah, it's not great. And I think he beats me to the old, the old taxonomical punch there. It's true on naming. Should have been Dank Ted or something. But anyway, I'll let my parents know. Yeah, please go back to the drawing board on that one. Um, But yeah, so you know, uh, it's quite amazing. They pop up from the soil, like you know, first thing in the morning. And I'm sitting here going about my work from home life, and like by 2 p.m., I've got like a like a half an inch tall seed. The next morning, like it's reaching out of the the little Tupperware I've got him in so these are these are aggressive little growers dan yeah like a couple days and we have a pretty decent sprout happening and like i'm going around with my chest puffed out a little bit yeah I, you know i have a grow op and a grow op going on operating a grow 
<laughs> you've you've done the equivalent of started to plant tomatoes. Yeah, that's that's the true reality as we move into this. And like you say, you got that feeling. You're like renegade, grow up. You're essentially uh, uh, you've essentially planted some onions. It'd be a fun thought experiment. Except we're gonna smoke them. Maybe not a thought experiment. Social experiment. Fun social experiment to start an Instagram profile and pretend to be like a badass illegal grower and like, I don't know, mm-hmm. tag Alabama all the time or something. Blur out your face. That's it, man. Just like, just act real badass. And then by the time I'm into harvest, I'll just admit that I'm from Ontario and that this is, this is a-okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's no problem. Nope, no problem. So this is a collaborative effort, and I think we'll keep giving updates as this as the grow continues, and let you know the things we did right and wrong. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I think that's right. uh, yeah. Let us know if you want to hear more about the grow. Yeah, well, we can do play by play parenting uh, updates. Uh, it'll be like uh, be like uh, what's that one? John and Kate plus eight. Except it'll be Dan and Andy plus uh, the legally permissible four plants. THC and us, a grow story. Yuck, yucko, yucko. <laughs> yep, yep. So you've been playing some video games, Dan. You you really struggled on that segue, eh? Yeah. Well, what can I say? Like, you know, when our uh, when our weed plants get old enough, maybe they'll play uh maybe they'll play video games too. But for now it's all you, my good dude. Yeah, Andy, I have been playing some games and there's been time. It, it makes me feel like it could have been a Twilight Zone situation. Oh, you were in a you were in a fourteen day quarantine. That's right, I was medically isolated. Yep. And if this is an episode of the Twilight Zone, I would have got that call like, bring, bring, you got to stay home for 14 days. I'm like, great. I'm like dancing into the living room. I pick up my controller. It slips out of my hands and smashes on the ground. And I'm like, no, no, there was time. There was time now. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily that didn't happen. And you did spend 14 days doing literally nothing but playing video games. I did. That's I, true. I, I played a lot. Of, I played a lot of things. And the highlights are I spun up Warhammer 40K. We'll talk about that, I think, in a future episode, yep. but uh, expect good things. If you're somebody that likes 40K or Diablo or cool things, you're going to dig that. I also spun Thanks, up- Thanks, Dad. I like cool things. So, Dad. Your dad's here? After all this time? <laughs> Got that pack of smokes, did he? Uh, I also spun up XCOM- <laughs> You got a Chim- pack of readies. Readies. XCOM Chimera Squad, which is the latest installment in the XCOM series that does a bunch of cool things, speeds up gameplay, and sort of creates a fixed squad. So we'll talk about that in a later episode. But I put I put the bow on the Final Fantasy VII remake. Ooh, the bow of completion. Back to the 90s, baby. Back to the 90s. Back to the 90s. Making young Dan proud. That's great, man. I'm, I'm so glad you got into Final Fantasy VII and, and did the damn thing and beat it. Because that's, that's, uh, that's not a short game. It isn't. And especially considering that this is the first part of many parts of this remake to come. No one knows how many parts it's going to be doled out in. Uh, it could be three. That would that would make sense, but it could be five, right? Oh, it's not the full full game. I feel like your finger has been off the pulse and instead <laughs> has been another place. Yeah, no. So the 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 events of this game basically are the beats of the first disc, and and so they, it's a fixed amount of time. And you know, when I was thinking about talking about this game, I wanted to be really respectful of spoilers, so I'm going to try and do that. But yeah, the uh, it ends about the place that the first disc ends, which is I think a vague enough to keep people in the dark that want to be in the dark. I was really nervous about this game because it could have got butchered. 
if you believe the stories, it almost did. This was Final Fantasy Remake got announced many years ago. I think it was like eight years ago we first heard the whispers of it. And a developer got way down the path and Sony axed it. Or uh, Square Enix, sorry. So probably a good thing. But as soon as you load this game up, it hits the first couple story beats in what we remember Final Fantasy to, to be. And you see the character models and you see uh, Cloud standing on that train station platform with his compatriots. Immediately, I'm like, I'm going to be okay. Nice. This is going to be all right. Oh, nice. Yeah, the uh, the first time I popped Final Fantasy VII in the tray was a hell of a long time ago. And the first couple of beats of, you know, the Mako reactors and getting out of, what the hell is it, Midgard? Really memorable, man. Really, just a really memorable setting. Midgard was uh, was like my benchmark for a great borderline post-apocalyptic like town for a long time. You know, it just had a lot of flavor, a lot of color. Uh, you're absolutely right. What the game does a really good job of is creating the feeling of the original game and staying so true to the look and the feel that given enough like bad memory and nostalgia, you're like, this is kind of what it looked like. It didn't look like that at no, all. No, it did not look it looked like, like that. seven triangles taped together that <laughs> the sheen of your memory has made it glorious. And they, they really did summon that to life. And I had a second piece of anxiety over, I don't want a turn-based battle system. That wouldn't be fun because I think that's the before times. That Ooh, time is gone. A lot of JRPG me. fans are seething right now. So we got I know. And smokers, Android users, JRPG fans. That That's the hat trick. Let's keep going. I've played some, some turn-based stuff that I've liked, and I, I probably dipped my toe in again. But I feel like if they didn't move forward, there would be a missed opportunity. And for folks that are classic people, there is a turn-based mode in the game. I didn't play it, but it, I'm guessing that it mimics... A lot less of the action battle system that we have now, which really has a turn-based thing on it as well. Because you have action bars filling, so it's still giving credence to that. But the battle system works really well, and it lets you hot seat switch between your active characters. So when you got Cloud and you got Barrett and you got Tifa, you get to switch among them mid-play. Ooh. And there's a bunch of reasons why you might do that. Maybe your character's locked down. Maybe the enemy needs a little bit of that range from Barrett or need as needs some stagger gain from Tifa. But what I love is all the, the fighting styles are distinct. Their speeds are different. Their attack patterns are different. And they feel really different. Barrett, I thought, would be the toughest one to bring into the now times. His distance chain gun feels great. And the way the, the mechanic works for him is you're holding down the button to fire your standard shots. And that's filling up uh, like a charge gauge that does a, a, a more like damaging charge shot. Mm. They've added on here and this is brilliant. So you're, you're hitting square to shoot. You can hit triangle to increase the speed of that big shot charge. He'll like charge up for a second, which brings that that powerful shot bar a jump forward but as you're firing his chain gun he'll do a reload animation so it's like attack 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 reload and if you tap this is not instructed in the game but it's there if you tap the charge button as he's reloading he'll do the charge animation and the reload animation in the same time space so you get a double effect for timing that correctly which gives you the benefit of charging while you're reloading, which is awesome. Once I figured that. that out, I'm I'm like 
there are levels in this game. You know what I mean? There are levels of expertise. And then as I dug deeper, there are a lot of those sort of chaining, uh, almost frame skipping advancements you can make. Tifa can do an uppercut into an air somersault if you do it correctly. And you see that repeat again and again and again. And you can swap between these characters. I play Cloud for a lot in the beginning and let the other guys just automatically attack. The computer sort of controls them. And then I'm like, okay, I've had enough Cloud. And then I focus on Tifa for a while. She's very fast, very frenetic, lots of strikes really fast. And it it feels very satisfying. So I played with her for a long time. And so I swapped among them. And it was was a really fulfilling and satisfying battle system. So I I really think they they hit the nail on the head. That's interesting. I played some Dragon Age Origins recently. And I've, I've gone back to that franchise a few times. And I like it. One of the things that does cause me anxiety in that game is like, switching between characters right and it's also like the idea of controlling the characters in between switching i think that's something that was a little bit clumsy for me in origins i just don't i didn't like the dynamic and also just personally i have a harder time like investing in like the viewpoint the character in a game if it changes a lot or if i can change it at will kind of thing so i mean it sounds like that wasn't your experience but yeah, that's usually my kind of hesitation. What I found with Dragon Age is when I'd switch to a character, I was o- I would always be saying, what are you doing over here? Like they're doing something weird somewhere. <laughs> You're like, this, you need to be over there. I, I felt I felt the same way about Dragon Age. It's like an AI issue, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. And maybe they've cleaned it up a bit. I'm not sure. I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't been following that, that franchise really closely. Um, there's going to be some really mild spoilers past this point. Um, so if you want to keep yourself totally pure and fresh from the Undriven Snow of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, skip ahead. I'll even put a time code in. I'll do that for you guys when I when I stop spoiling everything for you. They have the all the story beats of the, the original game, almost completely intact, with a couple minor changes. But what they did is they stretched it out, the story, with some very high-quality ingredients into that game lasagna, and maybe a tiny bit of sawdust just to stretch it out. And if you're loving the game and having that, a good time. I think you encounter that sawdust filler as like, oh, this is a little bit of fiber, which I'm enjoying. And if you don't, it is most of it's very skippable. So I'll touch a couple couple beats of that. They peppered Sephiroth in much earlier in the game. Just a taste at the beginning. They give you a little Sephiroth. And then boom, they hit you with a little bit more. And then boom. I like that a lot. Because he's a character that's very interesting. He's badass. That's unarguable I think and to see a little bit more Sephiroth early on I love that that played great for me the game also has like implemented a ton of little side you know the singing Mm rule it's peppered in a bunch of side quests and they're a mixed bag I enjoy doing them especially because I'm a completionist and they're totally skippable for the most part I I had to do it do it which brings me to another little a little qualm I have with the game the character models of the main characters and all the main adversaries are magnifique. The pores on Cloud's face are both subtle and totally present. And that goes for every single character down the line. The, the skin looks great. The tattoos look great. Uh, the hilarious presence of a gun arm actually works. Everybody's looking great. But a lot of the side quest characters, they're looking a little dopey. Their faces are looking a little flat and empty. They're, the character models are, you look in their eyes and you're like, you'd wave in front of their face. They're like, is anybody in there? They're they're of a much lower quality and it kind of stands out. That's something that really jumped out t- 
to me in the game. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think this is only Final Fantasy. You ever see a character model that you're like, oh, you slapped this together over an afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they look like they might have like a, a mild dementia going on. I'm like, I don't know how present you are right now, Mr. <laughs> side character. So some other the, the filler that they put in there that I loved is the members of Avalanche. Some of the the edge characters that are in your story, they they fleshed out their stories a lot more. They, they gave you some backstory on some of the characters and they injected a ton of personality and gave you a lot more time with Avalanche. That was something I really enjoyed. It felt like they took the opportunity to give you some extra that wasn't on the page in the original game, but really everything felt felt natural about that extension. Well, when you're breaking the game into three pieces, right? I guess there's a little more time to kind of focus on some of those details. And I think that that's, I don't, don't misunderstand me. I think that makes for a great remake. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's neat that, it's, like if you love Final Fantasy and you're playing the remake to dive deeper into that world, because presumably you've played and experienced those characters before, it makes a ton of sense that you would want to go deeper and you'd want to get, you know, a closer look at uh, Cloud's pores. Somehow his ridiculous hair works. It all works. They did a really great job with the battle system. Uh, weapons now gain skill points and they, it takes you to like a Final Fantasy style orb system in space yeah. where you pick different characteristics of the weapon that might cater to your play style. And what I love is as you unlock weapons in the game, it's not like a straight upgrade. It is feels like an upgrade as the mo- at the moment, but because all the weapons are always gaining skill points, the Buster Sword, which you, you start with, is totally viable in the end game mm. if you want to use it to a certain type of play style. And that goes across all the characters. So if you're setting up Tifa to be a magic user, there's actually gloves for that. If you want her to be a fast counter puncher, there's gloves for that. They're fairly equally strong. Um, you know, there's a couple are uh, weapons that I would argue kind of fall off. As you equip those weapons, it sort of equips a certain play style to that character. Um, so you can sort of play different ways with, with each of your guys, which I dig wholeheartedly. Nice. Yeah, man. I mean, all, all of this sounds extremely interesting and like a like a justice done to uh to a franchise that or to a game that's needed a facelift for a long time that's deserved one for a long time. So uh so you beat the game. Overall, uh, it sounds like you're pretty positive on it. I'm very positive. Couple criticisms and questions I might have. Um, I found it extremely easy for the first two thirds of the game, even on the the most difficult mode you can pick at the beginning, which I believe is oh really normal. It's basically classic, like story classic and normal. I believe it is. Mm-hmm. You have to beat the game to unlock the hard mode. So I would have liked it to be a little bit more challenging. I would have liked maybe even the hard mode be open at the beginning. And I I know it's like you need to play it a second time and they want you to experience the game first one way and then another. I get that. But I found it a little bit bit easy through the first half to two thirds. Also, I can get to level 50 in this game in the so far, at least in in the first chapter. So I don't know how they're going to handle that difficulty scaling. If you're one of those guys that beat it in 30 levels, which I'm sure is doable, is the start of the next game going to be too easy? Do I does everything carry over? I'm not sure how they're going to handle that. So that that's a big question mark for me. I think that like it makes sense that there will either be some level squish or it's not going to be another 50 levels over the next title unless there's only one. Anyway, regardless, you know, levels are kind of relative, right? So um, I think that it makes sense if you're putting out a game, you know, it's a it's JRPG or JRPG inspired. Part of that game is is leveling, right? There's just part of the, the, the feel of that game is leveling. So I think anything less than 50 almost feels like you're not getting enough game. So I can see why they yeah, made that decision. You want to bite into it. You're right. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, you know, you want to see that number go to 50. It's just a JRPG thing, right? It's like more levels, more levels, please. And, you know, I don't know like how, how much, how grindy the game is or how much opportunity there is to grind in the game. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Like, that's usually a pretty big pillar in folks who like JRPGs as well, right? True to the original game, there is an arena in this game, which is, and a battle simulator, which is set up for grindy goodness. So the game actually lays out a stage at two parts in the game and goes, would you like to grind right this way? Oh, nice. They have genuine playing. You have a grind butler. It's 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 right there and ready to happen. So yeah, you're totally right. And they put that there. It was it was there for the taking. Nice. A couple other things. The environments in this game are so beautiful, and where the game especially shines in terms of the visual aesthetic of the environments is the industrial zones the mako reactors when you're on the underside of uh sector five plate and on and on are they're breathtaking they're amazing some of the best i've ever seen and and it's in those moments the game just wows you some of those locations are so iconic too i'd really be interested in going back and taking a peek at what they look like uh you know just transparently i don't think that final fantasy 7 the remake is a game i'm eager to play and that's just that's a personal thing right just there's so many damn rpgs on my docket that i haven't seen the story of before (laughs) that's where my attention wants to go you know no matter how faithful and and excellent this this uh revisiting is but yeah there's no question i'd love to see maybe i'll stream it or maybe or i won't stream it maybe i will watch a stream of it or at the very least look at some screenshots but i'm really excited to see how those have been actualized yeah i i think you dig it and it's Especially if anyone who's experienced the moments in the original game, the first time you see Tifa, I got a little emotional. I could feel it. It was an impactful moment. And the game's full of those moments for me. And I'm not sure if you'd feel them quite the same if you're coming at it fresh. For someone that had been there before, they really, really landed. Yeah. Well, you could lend me the game, but you went ahead and bought it on digital like a jack. So, hey. I made the digital sin in quarantine, and I will not. I'll make no apologies. So, thanks for uh, thinking of your buddy Andy on that one. Yeah. Well. Well, um, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm happy to hear that it's uh, that it's going well. So I guess we'll just wait another eight years for the next uh, next part in that Final Fantasy VII remake, and away we go. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been playing Yakuza Zero, Dan, and um, this is a game that's been sitting on my shelf for quite some time, and I never really had any urge to play it. I bought it on a whim because it was cheap. It was like nineteen bucks at my local store, and I was I was thinking myself going, everyone's talked about, or many people, I shouldn't say everyone, because it actually is a little bit of a niche title, but there's been a lot of, let's put it that way, buzz about the Yakuza series. You read about it a lot on Kotaku. You know, in general, uh, the game is pretty well regarded among folks who have tried it. Have you heard of the Yakuza series before, Dan? Have you played it at all? Yeah, for sure. And it's a game that I've only played a couple beats of, and it's gone miss, but it has been in the wings. I've seen some deals and collections that have been sort of beckoning to me i'm i'm familiar with it though which one did you play uh it was a demo and it was yakuza <laughs> i don't know okay yeah i mean uh so was that for a recent console or like distant past it was on the ps4 okay so yakuza zero is so the yakuza series is like almost a, i want to say almost like a visual novel right you know what i mean it's the game is staggeringly cutscene heavy and it kind of, it immediately brought me back to a game that I think we've talked about on the show before, but The Bouncer, like a early 2000s PS2 title. Yeah, I don't know if you remember yeah. The Bouncer. The Bouncer was Sion Barzad. Yeah, it was, <laughs> that game was ridiculous. But actually, it's one of the games that I really enjoyed beating so much that I beat it again. 
Never gets any airtime. I think let, let's see what the bouncer has as a review. Bouncer PS2 in general regarded as a 66% on Metacritic. So, you know. Real gem. Yeah. You know what? Whatever. But, you know, the bouncer was this kind of brawler, and that's indeed what the title is, right? It's a, it's a 3D brawler that's heavily story focused. So you basically go from scene to scene, beat up some toughs, and move on to the next story beat and watch another three to five minute cutscene. And that's what Yakuza is. Now it spans like eight or nine games, right? It's a staggering number of games. It's like a Japanese soap opera. Right. That's been packaged into a video game and shipped to the West. The uh, The voice acting is all in Japanese. And I got to stress, it is very good voice acting. I don't speak Japanese, so, you know, despite... You don't? No, don't. Mr. Mount Fuji Mr. Ma- himself Mr. Fuji doesn't over speak here Japanese. has not done that. But the the quality of the of the voice acting is, is good. Like, the intonation, it really gets you into the story. The graphics are a dog's breakfast. Like, these, like this could be the bouncer on PS2, because the, the graphics are not good, to be clear. Very polygonal and... Of a time. But only half of the time. Because if you go into the game... Sorry, I shouldn't say half of the time. The correct description would be... Despite the fact that the graphics are kind of shoddy, the layout of the graphics is breathtaking because you're in this what we could only refer to as like a red district, a red light district of Tokyo, right? And most of the game takes place in this small district. Uh, and the way that they've assembled this district is just amazing. Like it feels like a real city. You're walking around the district, bumping into people. Um, you know, you'll you'll get into... And I want to... It's not an open world game, just so you're clear. Because people think Yakuza, they think it's maybe like a Grand Theft Auto kind of deal, right? Totally not Grand Theft Auto. Yes, you can kind of walk from place to place. And there are times in the game where you can go and get distracted with like side things like mini games almost that are created within Mm -hmm. the landscape but it's not Mm -hmm. you don't run around causing havoc and you know stealing cars and drive it's not it's not the game right it's not freeform crime no it's not it's long cut scene go from this place to that place beat up a couple random yakuza guys or thugs or rivaling gangsters or whatever along the way and get to the next cut scene and that's the game and actually originally I was like, wow, this is not what I want. You know what I mean? Like I got into it. I can appreciate that they're storytelling here, but there's not enough gameplay here for me. Like I don't want my gameplay to be a a little brawling match in the street or whatever it might be with some admittedly quite good mechanics. Like it feels satisfying, right? But not mind blowing. And then another cutscene. But as I kept watching these cutscenes, I actually get pulled further and further into the story. And Despite the fact that, like I mentioned previously, the graphics are pretty crap. The character models and expressions are actually quite good. (laughs) So it's Hmm. this weird like dichotomy of like objectively bad graphics, especially in, you know, objects and animations. Animations are really janky. But the characters all have like an intensity to them that you can really feel. And the way it probably comes out a lot in the voice acting, because most of the cutscenes are like conversational dialogue. So yeah, anyway, what do you say about the game other than the fact that it's a very compelling story with some brawling elements? Because that's what Yakuza 0 is. And I can tell you, I've not decided whether or not I'm going to beat this game. But I keep picking it up and just going like another 30 minutes in. You know what I mean? It keeps you going. Man, sometimes when I f- realize a game is on rails in a, in many ways and it's kind of a straight path, a little bit like Final Fantasy is, 
I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's the damn truth, buddy. That's the damn truth. Because every game right now has 150 hours of gameplay. And, you know, for example, even a game like Xenoblade just came out. Xenoblade uh, Chronicles Definitive Edition. The So the yeah. remake of the, uh, the Wii title, which then went to 3DS. And then Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out on Switch. And now... The original Xenoblade Chronicles came out in a definitive edition format. Just has like 93,000 side quests. You know what I mean? It's just, it's overwhelming the amount of volume of like stuff to do and get lost in is. And I love that. We've talked about open world a lot on the show before and how it can be both amazing and also kind of a curse because it could take you longer to get into the actual gameplay, right? So I'm totally with you. I like the fact that, you know, I can get in and just get a dose of story. That's feeling pretty good. Absolutely. And you said it. The thing that has kept Assassin's Creed Odyssey out of my tray is I know there's 85 hectares of land to cover. And right now, Andy, I just can't. Yeah. I just can't. I need I need some concise brevity. And like, there'll be time for that. Um, and it's one of the things that really made the experience of Warhammer, XCOM, and Final Fantasy really attractive is there's like beats on rails and a lot a lot of it's going to be bite sized and I can just do it like that. And I, I, that's that's been right for me right now. Yeah, man, I get you entirely. And, you know, I'm in the same boat, buddy, because like, you know, I look at a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. One of the things that drives me away from a game like that, if you've got just a ton of time to sink into that, not to say that, you know, we can't find time to do that. The quality of storytelling in ratio to the amount of time required to cover the story beats is kind of out of whack on a lot of open world games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey because it's good storytelling, but there's a lot of filler in between. You got to do like eight to ten tasks to get to the next story beat. It's not a cutscene away. It's an hour and a half of gameplay, you know? And some people would argue that that's the game. <laughs> well, no, but that's fine. If that's like there's other elements that keep you going. You know, you're making yeah. meaningful progress. You're exploring a really interesting area. You're, you know, doing some side quests. You're getting involved in some of the sub mechanics, right? You're riding horses or whatever the hell you're doing, boarding other people's ship. You know, you're, you're living in that world, which is what an open world is supposed to be, right? But if, if you're just not looking for that experience, you know, because that game type has been so prevalent over the in recent memory, it can be really overwhelming because you get to the point where it's like, I just can't do another one of those right now. Like I can't, <laughs> yeah, just can't do that. I want to just like mainline some game. And my yeah. one of my favorite examples is Mass Effect because that game felt like an open world, but it was on more on rails than expected. The gameplay was awesome, and the story beats came fast and furious. You know, there's nothing like being promised there's an open world. So then you could then ignore it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Like if I were to tell you, you can't go over there. You're like, fuck you. I got to go in there. I got to go into deck 32 of the ship. But if you go, yeah, it's all there, but you don't really care. You're like, nah, I don't care. You know, if they can create that illusion of an open world while being a little hemmed in, that's the magic, right? Well, and Yakuza 0 doesn't do that at all. It feels, well, no. 
it feels constrained, right? It feels like a tight spot. Even you look going from like cutscene to cutscene, the road, like you can navigate that roadway in like a minute and a half. You're going to be at your destination in a minute and a half. You know what I mean? Like it wants to show you a really pretty shot of the red light district and have you in another place. In many ways, like Yakuza Zero has this compelling hold on me at the moment where I haven't fully committed to the story. I'm not 100% in yet. The gameplay is fun, but not necessarily memorable. And yet the way it's delivered, like the the speed and pace at which the story is being delivered in the just sheer amount of cutscene. Has, it's almost like watching the first 30 minutes of like a pretty good movie. A pretty good movie. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like watching the first 30 minutes of a pretty good movie. And you're like, do I really want to change the channel? Like I've already kind of got, I know who the characters are. Like I know what's going on here. It's kind of good. And like, I'm enjoying this. Or do you just go get some popcorn and like do it? And I'm kind of, yeah, I'm in the second boat at the moment. Right. And it's hitting you in that spot. It's hitting you in some right spot. It's it's found you at the right time, it sounds like. To even hear you talking about potentially beating a game, something's, something's going right for you right now. <laughs> it's true, man. I'm notoriously fickle. I like variety in my games. You know, I, I like kind of leapfrogging around. And in many ways, that's something that, like, is kind of my own personal journey around video games, right? It's, it's the one area of my life that I'm really fickle about, you know, really nonchalant about and will flit around. But in many ways, just like, you know, anything else, if you don't have the discipline to stick to one thing, it can be really disappointing or disenchanting to kind of bounce around between things. So yeah, I'm 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 addressing that in some ways through through the use of cannabis. <laughs> it feels great to beat a game, it, and it feels even better to beat a good game. But nothing feels worse than forcing yourself to play a game that's not working for you. I admire your fact, the fact that you can just go, nope, done. Yeah, that's that's some. There, you got some power there, man. You're, you're willing to cut the cord if it stops hitting you in that yes spot. And I dig yeah. that. That's That takes some character. Well, dude, there are an unprecedented amount of good video games released all the time. It's just dizzying, right? And like first world problems for sure but but it can be it can have some negative side effects. For example, you know, you get into an amazing game and then for one reason or another, it's like anything right for one reason or another you get you get busy with work or with life and then you just don't come back to that game for too long could even be like 10 days and it's just so overwhelming to think about getting back into the game that you don't do it that's one of the things yeah. with great games right now is they're all very involved the level of technical like think of like we were playing sonic the hedgehog that's not that hard to get back into you turn on the console you you, you play through you know the Jungle Island Zone. That's what happens. No stats to be worried about. No. Not a stat in sight. Every single time I load up Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it's like, holy Jesus, what am I doing? Like, where are we at in the story? How do I use all my abilities? How do I get my blade character kicking ass again? And it takes me like 45 minutes just to even get oriented again, right? And then, you know, I, I promise myself that I'm going to just chug through and beat the story for the love of God. And then, you know, life gets busy again. And then Xenoblade Chronicles 2 becomes the 20-pound, you know, weight that I got to lift up again just to get going. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, we're kind of on a tangent here, but that's the, that's can the I, battle. Can I pitch you an idea? Sure. Can I pitch you an idea? Go for it. Okay. Every game should have a cheat code. You got you to gotta go into the internets to get it. And it's a key entry or it's a word you put in somewhere. 
and the feature's called Wrap It Up. And it's what you do when you like the game's story enough, you want to see how the story concludes, but you're not going to finish it. Finish it. So you key in the key, it shows you all the story beats, and says, hey, thanks for trying. <laughs> well, it's called YouTube, Dan. Because <laughs> you can literally okay. watch any game be played right now. Like, well, you kind of took the wind out of my yeah. sails just now. Well, that's what you know I, what do I don't want to hear. Welcome back to my gaming channel. <laughs> you know What's when you're, up, when you're googling how to do, yeah, you're going back to find out how to do one thing in a game. They're like, "Welcome to my gaming channel. Check out the I'm like, "Just say the thing. I just want to know the thing." You know, that's that's me not appreciating that's the price the hard of content. Enough. Man. A lot of work yes, goes into and I content. Need to, I need to get off my high horse. You did take the wind out of my cheat code sale. And definitely it's going to take down the views. There's some guy of our right now streamers. who's like, Jesus Christ, Dan, will you shut up? I just want to know if Yakuza Zero is any good. Just shut up. <laughs> just just silence, you fool. <laughs> uh, Yakuza Zero is good if you want to watch a Japanese soap opera and beat some thugs up. Otherwise, stay far, far away. Fair. Yep. Andy, shout, should we go to the smoke Let's sesh? go smoke some weed. Bibidop. Sash. Hey, Dan. Hey, bud. You ready to smoke some marahuchi? I feel prepared. Yeah. Well, I actually have my uh, my battery here, Dan. My uh, my $36 battery. Uh, the same one that I gave you, Dan, and that you haven't used yet. Uh, Can you imagine if, if you were going to smoke some weed? Some guy's like, hey, you want to smoke some weed? You're like, yeah. He's like, let me go get my battery. Let me go get my like, battery, what? baby. Um, yeah, man. I got, uh, got my Juju battery, and I'm actually smoking on some Tweed Houndstooth right now. Now, Houndstooth is Candyland. If you didn't know, uh, and I do like me a Candyland. Now it's ten fifty four at night, and this is a sativa dominant. And I know how nice. Candyland hits me, and that's usually energetic for about thirty minutes, and then right into smooth sedation. So it's uh, it's about the right way to finish off the podcast, I would say. So uh, yeah, I'm babing it through a cart here, though. So you get that, mmm, a little bit of sweetness. Like it's it's almost got like a bubble gummy flavor. Let me get in there again. Wild. Yeah, there's a little bit of like bubblegummy sweetness and then um, finishes off with like some maybe savory nutmeg, a little bit of earthiness in there. So quite nice. You want to go ahead and read about Candyland, my dude? Absolutely. Uh, Houndstooth, also known as Candyland, is a sativa dominant THC strain. Its buds have nice purple hue and possess a complex aroma of of the terpenes myrcene, which tends to have a sweet and earthy scent, as well as pinene, which is also found in pine needles. Yeah. And just because I'm a big Ken Estes fan, I'm going to go into the Candyland uh, description from Leafly here. And Candyland actually won a gold medal at KushCon in Denver in 2012. Uh, this is a cross between Ken Estes' uh, immutable strain, Granddaddy Purple. And if you know me, Dan, you know I'm a Granddaddy Purple fanboy. It's my jam. You like some of that GDP. I like that GDP. It's the ultimate anti-anxiety. Uh, and his Bay Platinum Cookies. And so um, it's just, I don't know, it, it's got like a lemonade flavor to me. And it's always so upbeat. To me, Candyland is, if you took the anti-anxiety relaxation um, elements of Granddaddy Purple, and you just put a pep in that step. You know, you just, you just you snuck in a little bit of upbeat instead of downbeat. 
it's the same damn thing and uh, love it. Um, it's it's a it's a favorite of mine. The flavor is so so damn good, Dan. What are you smoking on? Uh, just before we move on, it has the I don't know how if I'm saying it right, humulene. Humulene. Uh, as the third uh, terp, which one you don't see a lot, but this is what they keep saying is the happy terp, the euphoria terp. Oh, interesting. I I wasn't aware of that to be honest with you. Um, humulene, the happy terp. Hmm. Well, let's just do a quick read on humulene, formerly classified as beta caryophylline, caryophylline, as you would say. Leafly would say herbal may provide anti-inflammatory benefits. Uh, da, da, da. I don't see the happy terp here. What's well, interesting, so the coating on leafly is peppery for caryophylline, citrus for the limonene, and happy for the humulene. That says hoppy. That's hoppy. Are you sure it doesn't say happy? Hop, hop, hoppy. (laughs) You fell for one of my classic bits. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Classic. Just the most classic. What are you smoking on today, Dan? This weird guy gave me some some nugs. He's kind of like unshaven, a little bit sweaty. What's his name again? It was you. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been so degraded for giving someone some weed. Uh, uh, Andy generously gave me some. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Fantastic. There you go. Bud here. And what we have here is um, some Quest Reserve. Mm. The strain is uh, California with a K. And as soon as I opened this tin. It's always better with a K. It is. Well, sometimes no. Uh, (laughs) As soon as I opened up this vessel, I was greeted with a bloom a fantastic peppery, spicy, woodsy notes, and uh, I was very happy. the The nugs have these this um, sort of contrast: very, very dark leaf with very, very light bud, um, with a pretty medium brown mixed in, and it is the contrast makes it very striking to the eye. Oh, nice! The smell is fantastic. I'm a karyophylline guy. You know it. I know it. Um, so you picked such a great gift for me. Andy, you're a good gift giver. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. Uh, go ahead and give her a smoke. Yep. Let me know. Now, California is a heavy, and this is from Quest's website, by the way, questcannabis.com. California is a heavy indica-dominant cultivar with a unique lineage. This is a cross between Napoleo G and 88G13 hash plant. Its green nugs bring forward woody, spicy, and earthy tones that would pair well with evening activities requiring comfort and relaxation. Um, sounds pretty nice, man. How's the flavor? Um, kind of sharp actually at the beginning. Mm. The the pepper and the spice come right forward into the top of the nose, and uh, I would caution those that are gonna smoke a monster bowl because that one almost bowled me over. Ooh. I was I was in trouble at the beginning. It finishes really smooth though. Mm. Um, for as bold as it is up front. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I recall looking at those nugs and um, just taking a look online. Uh, they're pretty frosty. Now, those that specific uh, eighth was quite uh, those almost. I would almost say popcorny. Um, smaller buds for sure. But I've seen this this strain. Um, just obviously a different trim with some nice, healthy frosted uh, frosted buds. So it's a nice one. It's a nice one for sure. And it is a heavy indica. Great. Well, it will put me in the right place. For some dreamlanding. That's it, buddy. That's it. So why don't we go ahead and just blast through. Ooh, there was one thing I wanted to jump into quickly. Um, Mary Jane, those good folks over at Mary Jane had a cool post, and I'm just trying to pull it up here, about what to do with your keef. Now, Dan, are you a keef man? Do you uh, do you save your keef in your grinders? I think you have to. I think well, you're legally required trick question. to. Yeah, trick question for sure. You're a real, real uh, jack and any if you don't do that. But um, Real jack and ape. Uh, now we've gone ahead and insulted folks who do not keep their keef. So 
I no. yeah, <laughs> need to re- need to rein that in for sure. I throw it into the wind for the angels. <laughs> uh, every angel needs their dank. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, do you, do you keep like strain specific? Like, do you uh, do you grind your strains with a singular grinder, or do you uh, do you just mix everything up in there? I would, but I don't. Do you know what I mean? I'm not opposed to it. But I get so many different varietals, mm. and I only have so many grinders. Uh, that said, if I had like some weight of a couple different ones, and I was going to stay true to a strain, that would make sense to me. Mm. Okay, yeah, it makes good sense. Yeah, I, I like keeping keeping strains separate as much as possible. But I just, you know, I, I've gone through this so many times, and at some point, you just end up grinding something else in a grinder. So yeah, I try and keep indica and sativa distinct. You know, I, I don't really want don't really want to mix those up too much uh, from a track. We all make compromises, Andy. From a Keefe perspective. but um, So Mary Jane wants to talk about enjoying your Keefe. For me, the only way to enjoy Keefe is to sprinkle it over top of a bowl. It's not a put it, mm-hmm. it's not a put it in your joint because you just, you, I don't know, you can't see it, can't enjoy it there. It may mm. be roll it on the outside of your joint. So if you've got, oh. if you've got the ability to dip your joint in a little bit of oil, Right, a little bit of oil, or um, you know, some guys like to just gently heat, just warm, even in their fingertips, um, a little bit of shatter into like a like a rope and wrap it around yeah. a joint, and then yeah. either stick some keef to that, or again dip it in some oil and bring some keef in. That's wild. Those are all fancy things to do, but for me, put it on top, sprinkle it on top, like a little bit of uh, seasoning on a bowl, and that's the move. That's the move. But apparently you can also uh, you can also use it to easily infuse THC into fats. So for making edibles, um, I imagine there's a way to use keef uh, as opposed to larger quantities of dried flour. So that's what uh, Mary sure. Jane has to say about it. How about you? How do you use your keef? You know what? Uh, I do like to do a solid layer on the top of a bowl if, I, if I'm really getting serious. And it, it fits the limited quantity how often I actually want to do that. And you're, you hit the nail on the head, actually. The visual of the cooking layer of keef is very cool on the top of a bowl. And you really get to, to see that and experience it, which is which is great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have a grinder that's pretty much loaded with keef right now. You can also kind of press it together in like a quasi kind of hand hash. Yes. Right? Which is kind of cool. So, yeah. I mean, it's funny because in Canada, you can buy keef now, which I found just so weird. So Canna Farms has a Keef product, and you can literally just buy a container of Keef. <laughs> so I don't know. It just to me, it felt weird, like buying the shit out of the bottom of somebody's grinder. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm certainly that's not how it's rendered. The logistics of that alone would be a nightmare. It, you know what Keef purchased on its own in bulk like there it's like the equivalent of weed gunpowder sure you know what i mean it it definitely should come with a warning because it is for sure explosive <laughs> well i mean it makes sense right because you've got i imagine as a byproduct of uh, of handling and packaging and trimming weed no different than if you're doing so manually in your backyard um you know you've you've got sticky trichomes all over the place so um yeah it makes makes sense that you could sell that product and make a make a nice tidy profit on it but uh again it just as a consumer feels weird to buy that thing but you know plenty of people like it the marriage of um oil and hash or sorry oil and um keef rolled together by hand into a giant you know eight ball size ball of like oil hash basically is fantastic yeah i went on a deep dive on youtube into 
you know, um, maybe more rural growers showing their various different keef and hash making methods. And it, there's a, there's an art happening out there in the woods. Yeah. Yep. So uh, just before we shut this down, Danny, you want to take a look at some of the games releasing end of May here and into June? Let's touch on a couple. Yeah. So Fantasy Star Online 2 came out on PC recently. I think that was just yesterday. And apart from the usual challenges, getting in the game, downloading, etc., it's been pretty damn well received. This is a uh, MMORPG from Beyond the Seas uh, over in Japan. A lot of Japanese going on today, Dan. Sorry, buddy. I I left the planet for a second there and (laughs) I... I like the tone of the words that you just said, <laughs> and I, I think that that's a good game to play, perhaps. That strain was trying to pull you back to California. I uh, got on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. Ooh, shout out OC. Anyway. Were you talking about Choho Jotai just now? I was not. I was chatting about Fantasy Star Online 2. <laughs> Which is Deep down, I knew that was true. Popular, popular. Now, it, what's interesting about <laughs> Fantasy Star Online 2, that's uh, PSO2, let's call it that, is that it's kind of, I think kind of lobby based like this thing looks really cool it's got a kind of wild over the top anime sci-fi look um and uh, you know understandable that it's uh, geared around group play and i think again has has more of a lobby style like guild wars-esque gameplay uh loop but definitely has been well received on reddit where it was trending yesterday and across the Kotakus of the world. Folks are liking it. Have you spent any time looking at this? Or Fantasy Star is a game I played a, a long time ago. So the name had me. And when you said lobby-based, I, I had a little shudder because it, it reminded me of um, Anthem. Mm, mm, and mm. so I have a little bit of, I'm a little gun shy of that. But, you know, if we're honest, lobbies can be hidden. But in a good multiplayer game, they're almost always there. Uh, like Destiny did a good job of kind of hiding a lobby. So I'll, think, I'll give it a peek, man. I, I enjoy Fantasy Star. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Um, yeah, man, I, uh, I, I I don't know much else about it. I really do want to try it out. I don't have an Xbox. I believe it launched for early access on Xbox. Um, but, you know, jury's out when it's going to be coming to PS4 or uh, or probably not Switch. Not too keen on booting into boot camp to try it out on my Mac. So that won't be happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, Borderlands Legendary Collection has come out uh, on May 29th. That's tomorrow. Um, any uh, any inclinations for picking this this up for your Switch? I think you deeply know that that's not the true not not something I would do. No, I don't Legacy Collection. I have three Borderlands games sitting on my shelf, and I regret each one more than the last. Yeah, well, you know, I have some colleagues who have recently picked up Borderlands Three, and I know you hated that game, and the internet did too. Um, but uh, but they were pretty fond of it. They they felt pretty good about it. With a good group of friends, anything can be fun. So yeah, I'm glad I, the game's for somebody. It just, buddy, it just, and I wanted it each time. I wanted to like it each time. I'm like, maybe this time. It's not. It's not for me. Andy, Man Eater just came out. Ooh, have you ever familiar with Man Eater? She's a man eater, make you sweat. That's two dollars in the sing jar, man. I mean, <laughs> Man Eater's a shark sim game, and you're a shark, and you eat people. Uh-huh. And you level up as a shark, and there's different level up pathways, and that that feels like a fun jump in, jump out game. <laughs> yeah, I want to be a shark too, Dan. Uh, Elder Scrolls came out with Gray Moor, which looks like their rendition of uh, Skyrim. Looks Gray Moor. Yeah, it's got like a northern feel. Always weird, like having a game come out that's supposed to feel um, wintry. Mm-hmm. But it's the spring because I just don't want to go there. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when was okay? So I need to know when was Skyrim's release date? November eleventh, twenty eleven. Perfectly approachable. 
because November 11th, I'm feeling like getting into that kind of holiday mood. When was Wrath of the Lich King? It's seasonally released? appropriate. I'm going to say against the grain. Wrong season. Uh, November 13th, two days after. Oh. Winter launch. Winter launch. Both games. Do you, can you do three? Can you do three? Ooh, what's another wintry game? Uh, Last of Us. Is that wintry? Yeah, that was June yep. 14th, so... Uh, but this is the kind of thing, right? So, um, Last of Us, I don't think, you know, I don't know. It, it spans a couple seasons. Sure. So, fine and dandy. But with respect to uh, Greymore, so ESO Greymore, um, you know, I think that this is a dominantly uh, wintry game. In fact, you take a look at the game box, and it's uh, it looks ice-covered. And the actual cinematics that I'm looking at here are all external uh, snow zones. And I don't want to go there on uh, May 28th, 2020. <laughs> That's not where I want to spend my time. You know what? I get you. And part of it is that the winter landscape looks good at first blush. It has some impressive lighting kind of aspects and it looks stark and beautiful, but it's not visually interesting, especially in the color spectrum. And so for to have a prolonged journey there, it can wear on you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily the truth. Tr- the truth for me, like I love games set in a wintry zone. I think Wrath of the Lich King was a lot of people's favorite expansion for World of Warcraft, for example. And I would, I would hazard a guess that a, a sizable percentage of that reason is because of the zones, um, which had that you know icy north kind of connotation. You know, it's that Viking like Northlander theme that is pretty damn cool and that's that seems to the be the only requirement for you is that you need to be wearing a large cable knit sweater while you do it yeah that's my damn requirement is i it's the time of year that i want you to bestow that game onto me i am drinking a pumpkin spice latte as a basic white man and i am in a cable knit sweater and the leaves are falling outside and that's it period the end so please don't release any more winter games in the spring signed andy <laughs> i got one 1080 snowboarding. Come on. Come be. on. It's gotta be. Are you Googling it? Oh, sorry. Snowboarding. <laughs> Release date. February 28th, 1998. Boom. Cutting it close. Count it. Cutting it close. Count it. Are you telling me that you don't still see a little snow on the ground? In yeah. The Feb? Oh, yeah. February's yeah. fine. Yeah. February's, it's cutting it I'm close, still... but it's fine. You got a good month. You got a good month of winter left. I know why it doesn't fill your heart with cheers because at that point, you know Christmas is long gone. That's true. It's so dead you can't even ask. You can't ask someone how their Christmas was at that point, even if they just came back from a pan-European trip. It's Dude, too long. If, you, if it's, too if long it's 1998 and you're sitting in Zellers, RIP Zellers, you're sitting in Zellers and you're looking at the new releases and it's February 28th, oh, no flag on that play, 1080, that's cool. Maybe the Olympics just happened. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's May 29th, you're like, pfft. Banjo Kazooie, I'm out. <laughs> you know, uh, you're at least like give me wave race, right? That you're at least in that direction. Give me you're wave not like, race. oh, and send me to the slopes. <laughs> Fuck no. Andy, same character, same character. 1080 snowboarding wave race. Buddy, That's ostensibly every character the same guy. on N64 was the same character. <laughs> one model, <laughs> one model. Oh god. And Mario. Uh-huh. Uh the Outer Worlds coming to Switch on June fifth. That's huge. That's nice. big news. Yeah. You you really enjoyed that, it's I think. It's in the hands of a lot of people. I did. I there's I have a sin where all games that are kinda like that sit at ninety percent completion on my hard drive. Yep. 
Uh, and that's where Outer Worlds is. I, I will go back. Yeah. Just like I'll go back and finish Fallout 4. Yeah. Like Bethesda first person style RPG games are uh, are not my, my jam necessarily. But uh, yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition coming out on May 29th. It's it's one of those games that my, my heart's heavy around it, right? Because I want to buy it. Like I want to own it. I might go out and buy it because, you know of reasons i can't play it until i beat xenoblade chronicles 2 chronological as i mentioned earlier has become a bit of a bear i want it though i definitely want it the other thing i want is dragon quest 11 that came out recently that one i'm you know dying to try out still haven't gotten my way through um octo octopus traveler Traveler. octopath octopus traveler <laughs> oh boy, Destiny was that an honest octopus traveler? That was or was honest, that a real life? That was a real life octopus <laughs> traveler. The uh, Destiny Two Season Eleven. Uh huh. Any anything from Dan on that one? The fact that it's called Season Eleven isn't a great sign. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Destiny Two Season Eleven. What is what does the interweb have to say about that? Fall. It's just fall content, is what it is. But how is it fall content if it's Season Eleven? No, they've unveiled the fall content. Season 11's here now. Got it. <laughs> Got you. Uh, I was like, oh, how is Andy knowing what games to pick out of this list on our show notes? And I'm like, oh, we highlighted the stuff we wanted to talk about. No, but I'm just interested because like you just you were such a destiny guy for so long. And it's yeah. just so fallen off for you. Buddy, that wasn't a backhanded compliment. What I was going to say is, and then I'm like, who highlighted this? I'm like, oh, yeah, I highlighted a bunch of these. Like wrote the show notes and then promptly forget how we're running through it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Weed, baby. Destiny, Weed for destiny the fell off. You know, I don't have any particular gripes. I just, I moved on. I'd probably play Destiny if there was, if I had folks to play with or something was going on, but I'm just, I'm just, I've moved on. I've grown. So between Disintegration, which you've highlighted, and Farming Simulator 19, Caverna Land and Vicon Equipment Pack DLC, which one are we going for here, Dan? Well, I clearly made the wrong choice on my Caverna Land. Where the hell is Caverna Land? Caverna Land. Hey, yo, Caverna Land. Caverna Land. And the highly coveted Vicon equipment. Oh, no. Sorry. Caver- Caverna Land is an international agriculture equipment manufacturing company. So this is some sponsored DLC from our friends over at Caverna Land Ooh. and Vicon. When you're a brand guy, and it's not a John Deere or the second or third one, it's Kvernland no, and dude, Vicon. This is commercial. This is the commercial side of things. Kvernland's not pulling around. Uh, Vicon. Vicon. Let's see what Vicon has to say. Award-winning motion capture systems? No, I don't think so. Vicon. Probably the best. Agriculture. The best Google of the episode. Googling. <laughs> uh, DLC equipment, industrial farming tech. Yeah. Vicon has a number of uh, sub-brands known as... Yes, edge of my seat. But it also looks like it's part of the Kvernaland group. <laughs> it's one conglomerate. I don't know if I'm the one that needs to tell you, but the toxicity level of this podcast <laughs> is rising. It's going to kill me in seconds. Padachot, Graham Hill, general contracting businesses. I, I beg you. Rotaflow parts, is this mower conditioners. This is the kind of game you're playing. <laughs> Just tell me what I did and I'll apologize. I don't get, like, this is one of those, th- these simulators are just fascinating to me. So I'm sure you know, but oh, train yeah. simulator, there's train like a thousand dollars of DLC worth of trains no, you buddy, can buy. Buddy, 21 grand. No, come on. It's is closer. It's in the double digit thousands. Train above simulator. 10. It's like. Why am I Googling so much on our podcast? 2020. Second, get, DLC second best Google. Price. Not as good as the farming equipment, <laughs> but good. Yeah. No, but listen, on Steam, you can save 50, 55% right now. And what's the full pop? It's like 22, is it not? That's just not even possible. 
It's not even possible. Now we're both Googling. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. Train. Train simulator. Downloadable content. Wow, there's a lot. Oh, my God. Right now, you're right. It's $9,700. No, no. But 9700 I said 970 I said 1000 bucks. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's way up there. $10,000. Well, it's 55% off on Steam, so there you go. 20000 USD. <laughs> it's it's oh it's at 50 all oh, right because this is a calculation holy crap this so unconfirmed total amount but more than it should be every guy who owns that can't tell his wife about it you can't justify <laughs> to your wife <laughs> like even if your pitch was i spent 10 grand on trains first she hopes you mean tickets for you and her somewhere second she hopes you mean a stock Third, and most nightmarishly, she hopes you mean something that you're going to assemble in your basement under her direct ire. That's the bottom bottom case. Yeah. Never mind that these are... (laughs) And then under that, it's, well, maybe a space saver, but a simulated train set. She's like, well, we're saving on the space. We're never having sex again, but a basement you can store. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is incredible. I just, just looking through this, what is there? Lo- locomotives, routes, like every train. I mean, I'm sure if you're a train buff, this is like, this is heaven on earth for you, right? Um, sober Andy, man, we got to wrap this podcast up. Yeah, Let's yeah, sure. Baked up Andy, man, I really got to Google this train simulator. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave farm equipment. I need oh. to know how Sven Borgenstein Plates his turnips, and I need to know now. <laughs> oh, no delayed gratification on this one. Uh, the Last of Us 2 is coming out, speaking of The Last of Us. Yeah, buddy, you want to hear the fresh tip on that one? Yeah, let's hear the fresh tip. Delayed till uh, later, summer, June, they're talking. Mm-hmm. Script script leaked. Oh. Full plot script leaked out there on the internet. Careful while you're Googling, mm, folks. Don't Google around for that and one. And with being totally nonspecific, the people that did read it were unsatisfied with the proposed story beats. Hmm. Did the internet thing and freaked out. Interesting follow-up. The guy who wrote, uh, one of the devs or, no, the voice actors was tweet was tweeting and he said, if you think you know the plot of The Last of Us 2, you don't. Mm. Or something like that. Like, and he alludes to some crazy twist. So I'm glad they delayed it I because I, you want to get the game right and I'll play it. I played the first one. You played the first one too, correct? Andy? I did not. No, I've never played Last of Us 2, but a, a friend mm. has named his daughter not- after... Uh, what the hell? Oh, mm. why am it I drawing a blank? L? No, Emily, Lily, no, come on, brain. Wow, really missing on this one right now. Sorry, good friend you know, who now I can't remember the name of your child. I watched a uh, under a microscope neurons connecting, yes, and it makes so much sense. You see these like lazy like electrical glimmers moving around, trying to glom onto each other. Both of our brains are doing that right now. Ellie. The name is Ellie. And I did have to Google. I was close. I've gone to the Google again. I said Lily and I said Emily. Ellie. Tell me that's not Ellie. Ellie. Yeah. Well, last was too delayed. Uh, What's not delayed, hopefully? Oh, wait. To be announced what day. But uh, the Isle of Armor for Pokemon Sword and Shield is coming out, Uh, bringing with it plenty of new... Lovable, adorable Armor, fighting creatures. Shields, weapon implements. There's going to be a fort system. Yep, we're going to see. No, some, no, no, stop, stop everything you're um, saying. Are we looking right at now. the same stop game here? No, it's uh, it's a, they're they're expanding the decks. They're bringing some new uh, some oh, new entries in there. Deck. Yeah. Why didn't I think of that, Andy? Well, that's because you're not 
quite as crafty as Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, it's no secret uh, my 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 child and myself have enjoyed uh, crushing through this title in the in the daytime hours. Andy has a child inside him. Listen, you're never too old for Pokemon. Let me just tell you. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. And on that note, and on that note. <laughs> Listener questions or games you want us to play. PurpleDungeonSquid at gmail.com. Let's shut this shit down, Dan. <laughs> and do us a favor while you're winding. Tell a friend or a neighbor or uh, the gopher that lives in the backyard. He'll dig it. Yeah. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at PurpleDungeonSquid. Until next time. Please, my friends, keep it dank. Fuck, I am high.